Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in yet again. This is part four of the ongoing series, Holiness, Imputed or Added. Is it something that is bestowed to us as a one-time package in our salvation regeneration experience? Or is it something that is incrementally added to our lives by our own actions, by our own works, for the rest of our days? And in, in, uh, spoiler alert, if you're just tuning in, I am saying that the scriptures uh, define it as the latter, that we are in fact adding holiness to our lives because let's just face it, we have we as the Goyim Gentile people, we're unfamiliar with our father's right rulings and we don't even know what they are. We are literally ignorant children um, coming in and just saying, Father, you have to teach me and train me your ways because I don't I don't even know. I don't know what I'm doing or how to do it. And sadly, we, we for the most part, have done little to nothing to move into the realm of holiness because no one's ever shown us that we're supposed to. And so I'm, I'm, my goal is to move us from here to here and understanding, myself included, on what I must do now to to mature into holiness. And I said this quote towards the end of part three, that I believe holiness is the fruit on the tree of spiritual maturity. Um, because as we said, Paul tells us as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, it's okay to be an obedient child for a season, for a while, but just like I don't want my son to act 10 when he's 20, I believe the same expectation as us. We remain obedient. And yes, in the proper biblical understanding, we are children of the Father. Yes, I know this isn't really tough to tough to associate. I'm saying we have to become mature sons. We have to mature into a place where Father can, like the parable of the talents, he knows he can entrust something to me because I see him for who he is. Man, to continue that parable, I think is so clear. He can he can entrust things to me because he knows that I know him. Unlike the servant who I would say now from this very second, didn't understand the master, thought he was harsh, severe. Um, all those words we used back in, I believe it was part two, to define the master as this horrible, angry man. I think that as we mature, we see the Father for who He is. We know Him. We trust Him. We entrust ourselves to Him. We learn His ways. We love His right rulings. And therefore, He gives us more responsibility because why? We become trustworthy sons, maturing sons. And I think that holiness is all wrapped up within that endeavor for us as we grow and as we change. Um so we, we obviously have been talking about be holy as Yahweh is holy. And I and I have I have tried to define that that is not the same as righteousness, that they are in fact different. Um, and so Hebrews 12, chap, uh, chapter 12, verse 14. Um, let it let's let's just read it and let it speak for itself, perhaps, and um, be our guide. Right after speaking of discipline, which ironically produces righteousness. And then in this phrase here, strengthen your drooping arms and steady your tottering knees. We read the instruction to do this, quote, pursue peace with all people and the holiness without, without which no one will see Yahweh. OK, so pursue peace with all people and the holiness 
without which no one will see Yahweh. Now, now the question is really we have to ask is, do we believe this? Let's just take that small little tiny speck of a verse and examine it for just a couple seconds even. Do we believe that no one will see Yahweh aside from holiness? Giving you time to formulate a true answer, not just a quick yes or no. Do we believe the word of God that no one can see Yahweh aside from holiness? The hard answer, if we believe the Bible is true, is absolutely not. Again, I'm saying I believe the Bible tells us that those of us who are new creation men in Messiah, filled with Holy Spirit, are postured to become holy but do not have it imputed to us automatically. And therefore, we see Yahweh and know who He is. We understand Him a little bit more. We get His, we get his ways a little bit more because we love His right rulings. We love His commands. We, we love His ways. And as I said with some little bit of a fiery delivery in part three, I don't have to understand them. I don't have to agree with them. It means nothing. <laughs> I need to do them as an obedient son. Plain and simple. We are postured to become holy in Yeshua Messiah. Yes. Empowered, postured. I think those are good words to use when facing our, our condition in Messiah. We're postured to become holy as our Father is holy. Why? I mean, one just one factor in answer to why is because... We're, we're trying to walk in the carved out way, that hoopa gramos reality that we talked about probably a year ago. The carved out way, the carved out way, there's one of Yeshua that showed us how to walk as one pleasing to Father in perfect, consecrated, sacred holiness. He was the, the, the man to look unto, the God-man, the Emmanuel, the beautiful Emmanuel reality. Paul's writings are a continuous example to do this. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is a good example. He states this, quote, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of Yahweh, oh man, slaves, servants. <laughs> oh dang, that's Paul. That's not Leviticus. Dang it. Right? I mean, really, this, this is Paul who so many people say refute um, anyone pursuing Torah. He, he left Torah and got above it. This is what he said. <laughs> but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of Yahweh, the fruit you get leads to holiness. And its end is eternal life. So earlier we read Paul quoting Leviticus to define coming out and being separate. Remember, we talked about that, I think maybe part two. His letter continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and tells us this, Therefore, having these promises, now what promises? Clear instruction as to what is, is clean and unclean and being separate. That's 2 Corinthians 7. These promises that we don't have time to read that preceded that. He's saying, paraphrase, So then, because you know that, beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of Yahweh. This is, this is 
temple verbiage. This is tabernacle verbiage. This is clean and unclean animals verbiage, friend. There's no way around it. And this is Paul. Because of these things, let us cleanse ourselves. Do, okay, do something yourself. This does not say present yourself to Jesus to cleanse you of these things. He says, cleanse yourself, brother. Clean it up. Be holy as he is holy. Perfecting holiness in the fear of Yahweh. So let's keep going with Paul's writings. There are plenty. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, excuse me, 7 and 8. For Yahweh has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, therefore, because he's called us for holiness, the one who rejects this is not rejecting man, but instead the Elohim who gives his spirit of holiness, Holy Spirit. (laughs) We do know that, right? We don't have to talk about that, how Holy Spirit is the spirit of holiness, the root of holiness, the Ruach HaKodesh, Kodesh, holy. The Elohim who gives the spirit of holiness to you. Now, as to the love of the brothers and sisters, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by Yahweh to love one another. So, so to keep all this kind of packaged neatly in and how holiness I'm presenting is right alongside the Torah, because the Torah is the instruction and the know-how to be holy as he is holy. I'm convinced wholeheartedly. So to connect Paul's writings here specifically, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he says, you yourselves are taught by Yahweh to love one another, I would pose the question, how? How has Yahweh himself taught us how to love one another? His instruction. His Torah tells us what is love for Yahweh and for men. And isn't that what Yeshua was talking about? What? What does everybody say? Well, forget Torah, love God, love men. Love God, love others. Friends, do we hear what this is saying? This is saying you've been taught by Yahweh to love one another. His Torah tells us how to love him and how to love others. Again, this is holiness defined. It has been defined for us clearly. Mere morality cannot and is entirely incapable of ever showing us how to do it because it's ever-changing in culture. Culture is always changing, and Christian culture is, is, a, is a primary component of, of culture today, especially music. There are people who listen to worship music who aren't believers because it just sounds so it's just pop music. It's it's catchy. It's it's appealing to the masses. Why? It's just music that talks about how how there's power within you to overcome everything. This should not be. It's not that's not holiness. That's not consecrated, set apart, sacred stuff. It's just not. <laughs> but holiness has been defined for us. Now, Paul continues. Let's stay with Paul for a while, shall we? Colossians chapter 2 furthers this point. Despite the the likelihood that some people may may want to use this to refute what I'm presenting, which is fine, of course, which is why I'm going to uh, read it now. He says this, quote, You, who at one time were separated from Yah and had a hostile attitude towards him because of your own wicked deeds, (laughs) 
not because of Yahweh's ways, but because of self. He has now reconciled in the Son's physical body through his death in order to present you holy and without defect or reproach before himself. Okay, now, okay, so that would, that's, okay, well, this, perhaps we could say that just reading that in itself, that Yeshua's death and his physical body presented me holy. Like, his, his finished work happened on the cross, death, and this, this doesn't even mention uh, resurrection, burial resurrection, it just says death, so we have to stick clear to that. We could say that this says, this is, this is, is, is showing us that his death presented us holy without defect or reproach before himself. I would say we have to keep reading this this text um, to understand it fully. Because verse 23 says, If you continue in the faith, trusting, grounded, steady, and if you don't let yourselves be moved away from the hope offered in the gospel that you have heard. So to me, this actually continues our point that holiness is added because upon his death we are presented holy because like I just said, we we are postured to what? To continue in the faith, trusting, grounded, steady, not letting ourselves be moved away from the gospel that we have heard. And we've been talking a lot, even a little bit on here, but a lot in my life out here, not recorded, about the full gospel, about the full purpose. Did Yeshua, like I said in a previous uh, podcast, Yeshua, you know, the phrase we've all heard. Brother, Jesus would have come and died if you were the only man on the earth. And, and I said then, and I'll say it again now, okay, well, that's that's fine. And I'm not arguing that that's true, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. <laughs> he came for an identifiable capital P people, a nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen, set-apart, sacred people. That's why he came to purchase a divorced people. <laughs> and he had to die to do it. Ah, don't get me started on two-house stuff or on the Hebrew wedding model and divorce and remarriage and covenant and all those awesome things that I want to talk about, but I'm still not capable to, and it may be years before I can. Okay, so continuing on, a pursuit of holiness absolutely provi- provides a surety of what follows the if-yous that we see. Like we just read Paul's words, if you continue in the faith. What I have realized is that one cannot go wrong by doing what Yahweh recorded in his word to cause me to be a part of his marked, set-apart, holy people. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because I do, of course, and and many people who have a similar journey to me hear that we're we're just going back under the law. Bondage. Um... I was always already accused before we came into where we are now years ago of being too legalistic. And you're just, you're doing too much. You can't earn God's attention and favor and affection and love. It's all about understanding what we're doing and why and what verbiage we use is very important. We're not trying to earn it in the sense of like, all right, do you love me enough now? Did I do? Did I jump through enough hoops, Father, for you to not be mad at me? And again, that goes back to the parable of the talents, and we've not known Father's ways. Thereby, we've not known him, and it, we just read that if you're not holy, you don't know him. 
but instead, I don't feel like I can go wrong if my heart's posture is to love Father's right rulings and keep his commands so that I get his covenantal promises because I want him. I want him. Because I was created to be his possession. And that's the way. <laughs> that's his prescribed way. And that's all that matters. I feel like we keep saying that. So we're, if we're afraid of legalism, or words like law, like we already talked about in part two, because it somehow threatens the grace that we have been given through Yeshua, we have misunderstood the gospel. Friend, do you hear what I'm saying? If things like law and servant and... Um, what, what else did I say? Um, if, if, if these types of words about that, that incite this feeling of, of fearing legalism, if, if, that, if that causes these emotions in us to threaten being recipients of grace through the blood of Yeshua Messiah and his awesome sacrificial life, then friend, there's a problem in our understanding. And we've not understood the gospel, I would say. And we don't know the Father in the way that he desires to be known. And that was my life for many, 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 most of, most of my years were spent in that place. It should not threaten the grace we've been given through Yeshua. When we're born again, we've been given access to enter into a kingdom. And kingdoms have governments. And governments have laws. Simplified, there are only two governments. In existence today, I would say. The ways of the nations, as we've been talking about, the Gentiles, the Goyim, just, just the, it's just the nations. In Yahweh's kingdom of priests, his holy nation, his royal priesthood, two, two governments, period. Governments have laws, friend. <laughs> we will either live governed by one or the other, period. This is not about legalism, and it's sure not about empty ritual. It's about living within the governmental order of the king. Seems simple from that perspective. Now we have to read further on in Colossians chapter 1. We've got to do it right now. This, this is the gospel that has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. What? We just read, we can't go over again. And I, Paul, have become a servant of it. I rejoice in my present sufferings on your behalf. I became a servant of the gospel because Yah gave me this work to do for your benefit. The work is to make fully known the message from Yahweh, the secret hidden for generations, for ages, but now made clear to the people that he has set apart for himself. And again, how does he set people apart for himself? His Torah is on their mind, their, their, their forehead, and on their hand. There is a seal and a mark. And to make this clear, that is the government of Yahweh Elohim. And the government of the Goyim nations is what we see, as we've already talked about in Revelation, an age yet to come, where, where the mark of the Antichrist, which is lawlessness, those who do not live within the right rulings, laws of Yahweh Elohim, are marked on their hand and on their forehead. And Paul knew this. Paul knew these things. He knew it. So these things have been made clear, these secrets hidden for generations, to who? To the people that Yahweh has set apart for himself. 
And as I said back in part one or two, we've got to pay attention in the Word of God that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the endless references to the separation. It's endless, innumerable. So what's being set apart? Holy, consecrated, separate. Who is set apart? Yahweh's children. Those who keep his commands because they love him. Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commands. How many times do we say that on the program? Those who, to use the parable again, those who do something with the righteousness that they have been given and become holy as Father is holy. The righteousness of the Son imputes to us the power alongside Holy Spirit to enable us to please the Father and keep His ways, just like the Son did. the culmination of the ages, as we talked about, who sets us apart? The good shepherd himself will. The ultimate separating. (laughs) He who came to rescue and gather the lost sheep. This is the gospel that Paul was striving to make, quote, fully known, as he used there in Colossians chapter 1. The secret hidden for generations, but was made clear in Yeshua to the set-apart ones. Friend, this is incredible. This is the age we live in. Post secrets hidden for generations being revealed in Yeshua the Messiah. (laughs) This is the chair we sit in, friends. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear. So let me use some different scriptures to attempt to further this point. We've been talking a lot on the program lately about Tov. Good. You've heard me even talk about it in this series again. How do we who are in Messiah know what is good? How do we know what's pleasing and right in Yahweh's sight? There has to be absolutes, right? There has to be, especially in this, in this world where chaos rules. And what you say is, is, is right, and what you say is right, and what you say is right. And as we've already quoted, evil will be called good, and good will be called evil. And this, this is the age front and center that we live in now. If we, don't have, if we don't have absolutes, we will be just like the world and the culture therein. And Christianity is often governed according to the same cultural government. Why? Because we've abandoned Father's governmental ways. This is why morality cannot be our guide and our ruler. Prophet Amos, he's doing what prophets of Yahweh do. We've talked about this a lot on the program, too. He was telling Yahweh's people of his day... To seek good and not evil. To hate evil and love good. We talked about this the other day. No one of his day would have argued that Torah was Yahweh's approved way of living. No one would have, no one would have had any other idea in the days of Amos of how to define what's good and what's evil. It was Yahweh's governmental order for his people. Period. To oversimplify, want to be good, do what Yahweh commanded. His prescribed way for his marked people to live that would have been very clear. Now, we have lost that today. That We are a people of ignorance where our eyes have been blinded for so long. We have not known this to be true. But there is such a, an awakening to this reality on the earth right now. It's staggering to me. So because of this, we must ask the question, when was the definition of what is good and evil changed? Okay, this point I think is a great one as we bring uh, part four to an end here. If we know that what is good and what is evil was described to us in the Torah and Yahweh's right rulings, 
What do we use now to define good and evil? If if Torah has been abolished and, and, and Christian doctrine says that we have nothing to do with it anymore, it was for the for the Israelites, then what is it now that governs our lives and defines what is evil and what is good? How do we know? If Torah was fulfilled and abolished equally in, in Jesus, number one, if that's true, number one, the question is, where in the New Testament are we clearly told who was given the authority by Yahweh to redefine his law? We're never told Yeshua came to do that. We're never given an example where he did do that. Number two, if we were told, who was given the scripturally defined authority to redefine what is good and evil? Was it the apostles? A lot of people by doctrinal association would say that Paul re-identified what is good and evil, but he was never given the authority to do that. So is New Testament holiness somehow different than Old Testament holiness? Scripturally speaking, I don't think we're told that anywhere. I would say it's always been the same. I think what Yahweh said was good and evil, clean and unclean, in Exodus, in Leviticus, is the same as what he says now and the same as what he will say in Revelation. Because we're not told anything different according to my understanding of Scripture. In other words, where in the New Testament do we see spelled out now that a new era of apostolic doctrine was implemented by Yahweh himself to change, remove, or even add to his law? Because he said, you don't do any of those things as part of his commands. I know of no such place, scripturally speaking. Even in the Old Testament sacrificial system, we see what I'm presenting in this series. The Holy of Holies was the sacred space. It was reserved for the holy who had gone through many procedures to be deemed clean to enter. Yes, today, now, we are priests. Priests have duties. You hear what I'm saying? Priests have duties. They have a responsibility to carry out what Yahweh told us would make us holy as he is holy so that we are deemed able to be in his presence. Just like back at part one at the very outset, when Yahweh revealed himself to Moses, what did he say? He announced himself and he said, Moses, take off your shoes. You are standing in my sacred space. Same thing today. Has Yahweh changed? Has he changed? Of course not. He changes not. Again, the literal definition of holy, as I reiterate all the time in Hebrew, makes it abundantly clear that that what, what being holy demands. Therefore, I again submit that holiness is not in any way imputed and gifted to us. Rather, in Messiah, we are redeemed. We are deemed righteous. We are justified. But it is so that we can now embark into the process of sanctification and becoming holy as Father Yahweh himself is holy. I hope this is making sense, friend. It's challenging me. It's challenging me what I do, what I don't do, what I give give myself to. And like 
I'm already a pretty intense, intense individual, but there's more things in my life that I've got to, in humility, surrender to the Father and yield my will to and say, I will not exalt my own opinion and ways over your, your commands, Father. I want to know him as he is, as a, as a good master that is worthy of me doing well with the gifts that he has given me, including righteousness by faith. So friends, how are we doing? Where are you with this question? Is holiness imputed or is it added to our lives? Hopefully we're answering this question and allowing scripture to do so and not our own opinion. So you've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. We're moving through this series. We're going to be getting close to a conclusion here momentarily. Thank you for watching. Subscribe. Um, share this video if you feel like there's any truth in it that might stir us, all of us, in the body of Messiah to good works, to doing something with this beautiful gift of life, abundant life that we've been given. So thank you for watching. Amen.